Yo, welcome to the Gigan Podcast. I'm your host, David J. Ebner. Thanks for being here. Today we have another fantastic guest uh, here with me uh, in our series called How They Did It, where we we discuss how people navigated their path towards freelancing freedom or whatever you want, you want to call it. Uh, today with me, I have Matt uh, Lepley. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And Matt was introduced to me by one of our Content Workshop uh, team members. He said, you got to talk to this guy, Matt. He's got a great story. He's a fantastic freelancer. Um, I think he was selling me pretty hard on you. And he didn't have to because after we discussed a little bit, it was, it was pretty obvious uh, how great you were. Uh, so I know a little bit about you, Matt. Why don't you give our listeners a bit of an intro? Sure. Uh, I'm Matt Lepley, and um, I I work currently at Fugo Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and freelance on the side. I do uh, 2D animation is kind of my specialty with After Effects, and um, I'm getting a lot more experience with um, 3D and visual effects this year. Cool. You're getting more experience with it. Are you doing any like specific training? Just, uh, yeah, just more actually, time working with it. Yeah, so um, actually both. Uh, I take a lot of online courses. Um, that's kind of been my my thing is um, making sure that every year I'm doing uh, doing a, a certain amount of online coursework, um, not necessarily like from a school, but making sure that I'm growing my skills with things that I haven't done before. Um, but also I'm working on uh, currently my, my freelance project for myself is working on a I got hired onto a short film and it's very visual effects heavy, making stuff burn down, making things uh, disappear, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, cool. That's, that's mm-hmm. it. That's really interesting. And, and you're up in Atlanta, correct? Yes. Yeah. Big uh, burgeoning uh, film, uh, film industry happening up there, right? Yeah. Um, the whole kind of pandemic thing put a little bit of a lid on it, but it seems like it's coming back and, uh, it's really cool. They've got the, um, the Tyler Perry studios is now, uh, up and running just about the time we moved here, um, end of last year. And, um, it seems like, uh, it's drawing quite a bit. Um, I mean, Atlanta had a pretty good film industry before, but, uh, yeah, I think it's only going to grow. Yeah, didn't they? Uh, I don't know if they shot. Yeah, didn't they shoot a bunch of the Avengers there? Hasn't Marvel been shooting a lot of film there? Yeah, so I I keep hearing uh, to just talking to people like, oh yeah, that time Marvel was in town and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so I know they do a bit of that. Uh, I don't know kind of what's what's going on. I'm not super into like the film industry. I kind of wish I was, and I think uh, <laughs> um, everybody probably kind of wishes they were. But um, yeah, uh, I think they do quite a bit um, here, and then uh, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I I was uh, recently moved back to Florida from Atlanta, and uh, I remember I was looking at apartments up there. I can't remember where it was exactly. But somebody at the apartment complex had told me, um, oh, and by the way, Liam Hemsworth had rented an apartment from us when he was here filming for them. Oh. Like that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Not, I'm not going to buy an apartment at a place because of that, but <laughs> it was a cool note, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that there's like quite a bit of people that um, have a story like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, um, Robert Downey Jr. ate at our restaurant and things like that. <laughs> 
Do you have, so this is obviously a huge aside. We'll get to your career and all the great things you've done in a second. Do you have any stories like that? Do you have any like odd uh, celebrity run-in stories? Um, I just so find them I fascinating. Like, yeah, I feel like everybody has like some sort of celebrity run-in story. And I feel like I'm the person that has not seen a celebrity once in my life. Whoa. Uh, in the wild. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, uh, we got to, so Matt, we got to hang out. <laughs> yeah. That one just kind of, sorry to make it fizzle, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> sorry to make it fizzle. I, you know, we'll, we'll have to hang out some more. I was talking to um, one of our, our members, um, Cameron Kennerly on, on the podcast. Actually, we've talked a couple of times, but we had met a couple of famous people. Well, first off we met, uh, well, we didn't really meet. We observed Ron Jeremy in a parking lot in Hollywood that was really interesting. Yeah, it was weird. He was picking his nose, which we we found entertaining. Um, and then yeah. we went to the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Have you have, have you heard of have you yeah have you heard of the Magic Castle before? I don't think so. Huh. Okay, it's like oh, it's actually a castle kind of thing up in in Hollywood in the hills, and they have um, it's it's a magicians like society. Uh, also, okay. a dinner yeah. club and a theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you uh. If you watch Arrested Development, the uh, um, Job, he's like a magician. He's part of a society, and they try to like mimic this idea of the Magic Castle. But uh, a lot of famous people go there for dinner and shows and stuff. And uh, Cameron and I saw Ron Jeremy on our way there, and then when we were there, we met. We saw all sorts of famous people inside there. Um, anyway, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, right. So that's that's my my celebrity run in. Actually, uh, I take that back. My favorite celebrity run in stories. I got to meet Rain Wilson. Um, the guy who plays Dwight on, on the office, which is like my favorite show of all time. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He was down here in Tampa where I live now, um, at the Super Bowl, and I was working the Super Bowl as a college student. They paid us a little extra money to, to work like the tents and all the, they call it the NFL experience, all the stuff that goes on with the Super Bowl. And Rain Wilson came in and he bought something from me at my register. And I was, I was, um, you couldn't pull me down from that high. <laughs> that's super cool he's uh that would be a really interesting person to meet it would be rain wilson if you're uh if you're a listener of the podcast uh, let me know happy to have you on as a guest <laughs> happy to have you on all right so let's talk a little bit more about you matt uh rain wilson aside but uh tell us tell us a bit about your your formal education experience kind of what were some of the major takeaways for you that are applicable and useful in your career today sure yeah so um I actually started uh, college um, doing music performance. Uh, I was a I was not anywhere near <laughs> uh, about as far as you can get probably from what I'm doing now. Um, <clears throat> I was a I was going into like classical music performance uh, as a percussionist, so I was learning all the drums, all the uh, xylophone, er- everything like that, uh, and everything in between in that world and. Um, after a year, uh, I kind of, I couldn't keep up with it. It was, there were days where I'd be practicing or, or just active for 20 hours a day. And it got, um, it got to the point where like I was getting sick all the time. And, uh, a lot of people have like the freshman 15 where they gain 15 pounds. I lost 15 pounds in that year. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) decided like it's kind of not for me um and it's uh it's really intense even though I still loved music um it just wasn't maybe it wasn't the best way that I went about it either but um 
anyways, so kind of got out of that and figured, um, well, another piece of it was taking on a massive amount of school debt. Uh, and it was just not really, um, doable for my family to, to keep, keep doing that. So, Mm -hmm. um, the next step was like, okay, well, what can I do? What do I like doing that I'm pretty okay at? And that has like decent career options at the end of it. Um, because Mm -hmm. all they told us in our, our year of music schooling was, and if there's any, anybody in music school or thinking about it right now, don't be deterred by it. Uh, if you want to do it, you can totally do it. Um, but what they told us when I was, when I was going through is that maybe 10 spots open up in orchestras around the country every year. And there's like 600 graduates or something auditioning for those. So yeah, uh, pretty steep, um, steep chances of getting in, uh, that said, if you're if you're a percussion performance major like I was, uh, and you want to do it, there are plenty of other other positions besides that, and I didn't realize that at the time. Um, anyways, so uh, got out of that and went for a um, kind of a computer degree. I knew I wanted to do something. I was good with computers. Uh, I liked computers. I liked working with them and. Um, so I went to school for interactive media at the uh, local um, like junior college. And um, I got a degree, an associate's degree in interactive media after a couple of years. And mm-hmm. it was kind of a mix of web design and development and uh, like communication theory and uh, um, just some like visual communications kinds of, of things. So it was um, a little bit of everything in like the visual communication world and um with a little bit of focus on like the actual web web application uh, sure. portion of it um yeah so that's kind of that's kind of my schooling story um i don't have like a bachelor's or a master's or anything like that uh mm-hmm. school wasn't really my bag uh i'm very good at it i'm very good in academic settings <laughs> um but uh, it kind of, it wasn't fulfilling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And there's a lot of people that are coming to this career, this freelancing career, this, you know, really let's talk it like content creation career uh, mm-hmm. from a similar background, right? They didn't, and the school isn't designed for people like us. It, it just isn't. Yeah. I, I don't think the curriculum is designed to help uh, a lot of people come to this with different various backgrounds. I don't know anybody who's uh, I honestly don't, don't work with mo- most of the people I work with do not have a background in marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the people have some sort of arts background that they've transformed into a career uh, or a way at least to, to make some money creating mm-hmm. their art to, to whatever degree that is. Right. Yeah. I find so many people, even in other fields, um, like after school, I went into software development, but even there it was like the people I met would constantly tell me like, yeah, I didn't actually do this first. Uh, I used to do something totally different. Um, or like I was a mechanic or something, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's entirely unique to, to our field and freelancing, but it seems like, you know, a lot of times it's just not a straight path. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I think that's totally fine. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, we all have journeys and they, they look 
um, there's there's no <laughs> there's no interstate that connects you to where you want to go in your career. You have to you have to take a lot of back roads. You got to go through some odd small towns and maybe some big cities that you didn't expect yep. to hit at rush hour or whatever it may be. But uh, inevitably, if you keep going in the right direction, you're gonna you're gonna get there. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. So talk to me about. I love this question. I want to know about your first full time jobs, like. Whether that's, um, you know, you said you were, while you were in school, was it before school, whatever it was, I want to know about your like first full-time job um, and what are some of the major takeaways for you from those jobs? I, obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they're not do, what you're doing today, but what were some takeaways <laughs> and what did you learn from that, that experience? Right. Um, so my first like big boy full-time job uh, was working in, uh, I worked at a a really big um, healthcare IT company in Kansas City called Cerner Cerner Corp, and um, <clears throat> they they're still really big, and they've only grown since I was there. Um, and I got in as a this was like um, maybe eight months after I graduated college. Uh, not mm-hmm. quite, yeah, it wasn't quite a year, but I got in as a unit test analyst, and I was basically doing. Uh, quality assurance for software um, and the software solutions that they made for um, uh, for hospitals and um, uh, medical providers, things like that. And uh, I was on a team, um, I think there were like, it was probably 15, 20 of us or so. And uh, <clears throat> uh, there was a small group of us within that team that had a little bit of, um, oh, so the day-to-day there was kind of, it was basically manually comparing uh, Excel spreadsheets of um, like data printouts from from the softwares that uh, we were testing and making and and correcting for errors and catching errors and things like that, so that the you know we pass that off like what percent of errors were made and then we pass it off to the engineers who then go and. Uh, fix it. And so manually comparing thousands of lines of Excel data sounds about as exciting as it actually is, <laughs> which is almost zero. Um, but there were a couple of us that had uh, a little bit of like programming experience, or at least like the interest uh, in it. And so we eventually, uh, there was one guy there who had created a um, a comparison macro that uh, basically like he let it run for a couple hours and it would compare and, and make the, the, uh, errors, um, it would catch errors for him basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it took a while, but it condensed. I remember there was a test that we had that condensed like a two week test, like a manual test into several hours. And so that was kind of the, um, uh, the basis for us kind of breaking off and forming our own group. Um, we eventually kind of became known as like the guys that can either give you a, a little tool to like help your comparisons go quicker, or we can mm-hmm. fix your broken Excel documents. This was back when like Microsoft office was still not in the cloud. Um, is yeah. right where they switched all that. And so each version would break all of your existing tools uh which sucked big time um and created a lot of a lot of problems um so eventually like other departments would come to us and be like hey can can you take a look at our old uh file it's like 250 megabyte excel file 
with a bunch wow. of uh, built-in yeah tools and we were like yeah we can take a look and um, figure it out and we eventually got to the point where it was like okay this is like if we're working with you know these massive excel files why don't we check into like making this into we didn't really know what to do about it but making like a website out of it or a web uh web application was still kind of a new thing mm-hmm. um at the time and now like web apps are pretty common but we we're like how about we try out making some web apps uh you can access them from anywhere people don't like lose the file uh you know if we host it on like the internal servers and stuff mm-hmm. um it should be uh accessible by anybody on the team and um, maintenance will be easier there's just like one source of truth for it um mm-hmm. so that was really cool and uh we kind of did a lot of that and then um i eventually went to another job at another software company and uh called epic um epiq in kansas city and they did um they do like legal software um so i was working on uh on that and um i think that job uh taught me more than i've ever learned about abstracting like concepts from from a very like real tangible thing like a web app and how how structures are built um mm-hmm. from like uh how do i explain this um <laughs> so if you think about building a building there's all kinds of like internal structures and there's all kinds of uh plumbing and ductwork and electrical and all kinds of stuff that goes into it uh but you also have to think about like how is that going to run and how does it interact um, with itself and with all the other components? And uh, it just kind of really opened my eyes to how software is, is should be built. And it's very, um, it's very large and very complicated, but also like very neat in how you can pull apart like the layers of all this stuff that just, just works or should, you know, if you make something good, it just works. Right. That's really neat. That that's a cool pathway. I mean, you you had a, a very it sounds like a very interesting first full time gig there. Um, most of us don't don't get the the luxury of of having something that sounds like it was so uh, I don't know innovative, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, my my first time. I mean, my first full time gig. I mean, it, it, you know, if we talk about out of college, it's a little different. If we talk about uh, like before that and during college, like there, there was nothing there that was uh, to me as as comparative um, on the innovative front. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I, I, I can see how that would open your eyes to like some, some possible, some like grander possibilities down the road. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely, I think my time at Cerner, um, with that, that small team that kind of eventually broke away. Um, that was one of the like best, one of my most favorite teams that I've worked on in a work environment. Uh, everyone was so, uh, they were just, we we're so ambitious and it was very tight knit and um, everybody like re- we really thought we were like making a difference and like innovating on stuff. And uh, I mean, we were in a way in a, in a smaller way than we thought, I suppose, <laughs> making a difference. But um, yeah, it was just, it was really cool to get to look into uh, uh, that kind of world, I guess, something I'd never been exposed to. And um, it's, Honestly, like it kind of helps a lot now um, 
visually explaining some of these things and concepts um, and being drawn a little more towards tech companies and things like that uh, for what I do now, that background has really helped uh, helped me, um, I guess, be able to communicate a little better. Have you heard this before? An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. That's a quote from Benjamin Franklin. He's on the $100 bill for a reason. How about this one? The best investment you'll make is an investment in yourself. The more you learn, the more you'll earn. That's Warren Buffett, and I think it's indisputable that he knows how to earn money. Your mind is your greatest asset, and if you feed it, grow it, and nurture it, your mind will pay you dividends. For this reason solely, we created EDU by Content Workshop. EDU is a series of skill courses for copywriters, graphic designers, freelancers, and job seekers alike. We've taken our decades of experience as an industry leader on those topics and plugged them into courses available to you anytime and anywhere. When I started freelancing back in 2008, the economy was a dumpster fire, and I struggled daily trying to make a living. Does that sound familiar? Well, EDU is filled with all the lessons we've learned since then. It's our hope to help you advance your career with valuable skills, land more freelance gigs, and make the living you want. Since so many of our listeners are struggling during these uncertain times, we're offering a discount of up to 50% off all courses in EDU. You know, I I make a lot of errors in this podcast, so let me say that again. Discounts up to 50% off. That's 50% off. All you have to do is use the coupon code GIGGIN, that's G-I-G-G-I-N, at checkout. This is a limited time offer, so head on over to edu.contentworkshop.com. That's edu.contentworkshop.com and use Gigan for up to 50% off everything on the site. Now back to the pod. Awesome. So let's talk about your, your freelance work a little bit more. What, uh, how have you approached getting more freelance gigs? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and what are some tips or tricks you might have that you can share with the, with the listeners? Sure. So, um, during my Kansas city time, I worked a little bit, uh, on and off kind of between jobs, um, doing like some web development and web design. And it was, uh, that was kind of through somebody, a friend of a friend kind of thing. So, uh, I think the first point of like getting more gigs is everyone says it and it's a huge buzzword, but networking, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not, it's not the weird, like stuffy room with a bunch of people kind of networking thing. Um, I think for me, it means more like just communicate with people and just let your friends know what you're doing, uh, because they might know a guy or, or, or a gal or somebody that Mm -hmm. needs what you can do. And, um, that's kind of what happened, uh, there. Um, in Kansas City with the freelance web development, things like that. Um, and then for, well, since then, it's kind of been, I'm either working full time or freelancing. And uh, um, it's, that's not really my favorite way to go about it. Uh, okay. But it's, it's very difficult to balance both. Um, because there's just, there's only so much time in the day, but I'm trying to do it now. And for, for me, uh, moving to Atlanta, 
so I quit my job in Mississippi, Mel and I both did, and we mm-hmm. moved to Atlanta for um, new opportunities and about the end of end of last year, end of 2019. Um, we only had a couple contacts, uh, so but they were in our they're in our industry. So we had two people that we knew and, you know, it's like, hey, we're moving to your city. Um, <clears throat> if there's if you know anybody that, you know, needs our skills, uh, even though we know you're both in our field, we don't want to be like <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking, taking jobs away from you. But at the same at the same time, like we don't really know anybody. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, m- maybe throw us a bone, please. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, uh, we looked up or I looked up a bunch of, um, meetups. So meetup.com was pretty big for me. Um, just figuring out like where, uh, or like what kind of groups could I, or really do I want to work with? Um, and who could, who could use my skill set? And for me, my software background, um, my music background uh, are things that I considered and um, creating like explainer videos for uh, tech and software companies, things like that. So I went in on meetup and looked up like what kind of meetups have um, like tech startups in Atlanta, um, things like that, or, or people that are even like, what's just a business networking, like the most generic uh, title of a, meetup group that I could find like business <laughs> meetup networking group, uh, in Atlanta. And maybe like, you know, if they're business owners, they're going to need something at some point, um, to explain like their business visually, um, or like a, you know, 15 second ad or 30 second ad or something like that. Um, <clears throat> that maybe I can do, maybe it's not even in the fields that I, uh, have been in, but, um, it might be a, it might be a, freelance gig, you know? So, um, I think that the third part and the last part for me finding jobs was, uh, um, I happened to cross somebody, we were in a coffee shop. So Mel and I went to a coffee shop, like our first week here. Um, and we're just, you know, making plans, setting goals, uh, going over the numbers, um, for ourselves and like, okay, what do we need to do? We know we, we need to be on social media. We need to be, we're actually talking about like the meetup.com stuff. And, um, (laughs) these two guys sat down next to us and they started talking about, you know, their plans and stuff. And, um, because I couldn't not overhear them, not because I was eavesdropping, uh, they were talking about this small film group, um, that was pretty local and, it sounded pretty interesting to me. So I was like, uh, are you guys like involved in the film industry here? And, um, just like a, a random hello. Hi, I'm just moved here. I don't know anything about anything. Uh, but what are you guys talking about? And it turned out, uh, they're part of this like little film collective that started in Atlanta. Um, that runs like this, uh, at the time, I don't think they're doing it right now, but, they were running this, uh, it was like a weekly challenge where you create a short film. Um, you can, you know, get anybody you want to work on it, but you only have a week and, uh, the rules are kind of decided randomly. It was really, really interesting. Uh, but there were at least like at least 50 people doing it, um, which was really mm-hmm. cool. 
and uh, <clears throat> they weren't like, you know, big shots uh, in Hollywood or anything like that. This was just like, you know, kids out of school or people looking, just looking to get more experience and things like that. Anyways, uh, long story short, oh, they're called, um, uh, it was Kick uh, kick the Ladder was the challenge. So if you're in Atlanta, uh, look up Kick the Ladder um, <clears throat> and uh, check it out if you're interested mm-hmm. in short film or anything like that, or really just get an experience around short films. Um, I think the pandemic has kind of affected it a little bit, but yeah. um, I'm sure they're carrying on. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, long story short, um, one of the guys there, uh, I eventually got to know, and he, it kind of one thing led to another, and um, he was working on a short film with a director from Chicago, and uh i got uh hired on for that that's the visual effects um heavy short film that i'm working on oh cool so talk to random dudes in coffee shops (laughs) 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 sounds like they're having an interesting conversation yeah that's that's great advice i mean networking is Mm -hmm. is probably the best way for you to uh go out and get um, potential new new clients. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can try to attract them to yourself, but inevitably you've got to pay the bills and you can spend a lot of time and energy creating content to attract people to you and you should, but inevitably mm-hmm. you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to go out and, and grab and grasp the, uh, the, the opportunities where they, they live and they live in those coffee shops. They live in, they live in um, these weird, stodgy, you know, networking events that feel a little awkward at first, but then people have some drinks and then it feels pretty normal. You know, it, yeah. it's like those are the places where stuff happens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, I, I never would have guessed like, you know, a year ago, if you if if my future self was like, hey, you're going to meet a dude in a coffee shop who's going to give you a pretty cool job. Uh, I would have been like, OK, well, uh, you must be mistaken, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah who's this crazy person talking to me right now yeah. that's what i would think <laughs> awesome so so matt uh any advice on how how to manage a freelancing business i mean there's a lot of a lot of people take different approaches there's people who uh, just look at um it as a uh, an offshoot of themselves they kind of do a little bit of side gigs here and there so they don't really you know incorporate a whole business they don't really put in to practice a lot of accounting structures and things like that. But do you have any, any tips or uh, tricks on, on how to manage a freelancing business? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm kind of a numbers guy and I really, I found that I actually really enjoy like keeping track of like the financial side of it and making sure that, uh, um, I'm doing okay. Um, or if at least like, you know, if this is going to be, worth the time uh putting in like am i what is what is going to get out what what am i going to get out of it and also what is like the client going to get out of it um and kind of figuring out how to run all those numbers i guess it kind of goes back to those spreadsheet days uh (laughs) and um from the software job um so i think what i would say uh, there's been a couple things that have really helped me figure out um, that I actually like it and also how to do it. Uh, the Freelance Manifesto is a book that um, I would say is at the top of my my to-read list uh, for anybody 
anybody that's a freelancer, um, whether you're thinking about it or you're already doing it, um, or like, you know, it's a, it's a dream for in a couple of years or something that you want to take on. But, um, freelance manifesto by Joey Corinman, um, Mm -hmm. from school of motion. Uh, it is, it really kind of like makes it less scary and shows you kind of an, a good solid game plan for how to go about freelancing, uh, from, from like the client communication aspect uh, and like getting new clients um, to like ways of tracking your projects uh, and things like that. Um, and uh, it's also got um, like a little bit of business advice in there too. Uh, another one that also helped me um, get a grip on the financial side of it and like really figure out that that's, that's kind of an important step to, to having a business. Um, is uh the book how to uh what was it how to be a graphic designer without losing your soul it's a great book um (laughs) it's got uh (laughs) um a bit of business advice a bit of um communication like client communication advice a little bit of overlap between um the freelance manifesto um but it also goes into like the the moral and ethical implications of like visual communication at its core and being a graphic designer and what that means, what that means today. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's super interesting uh, as well. Um, But in there, it talks a bit about like running a business from a studio perspective. And that's kind of, I feel like a studio um, is just like, it's running an expanded version or a scaled up version of like an individual freelancer. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that helped me because it was like, oh, I can see it like taken one step further. Now I can kind of connect the steps if I ever wanted to run my own studio or something like that. And it's something Mel and I have talked about before. Um, You know, maybe in several years we uh, think about trying to do our own studio, that kind of thing. Um, But being able to kind of connect the dots from like, okay, where am I at? And like, what are these people doing that, uh, lets them run a successful studio. So if I can kind of backfill into what I'm doing, what they are doing, uh, I can get to that point. Um, I don't know if that's going to be helpful at all, but, uh, yeah, I think it is. I mean, I I think a lot of people part, part of what I think you're, you're hinting at there is that the way to get to the freelance life is like, we talked about this journey, this pathway before, right? There's no, there's no highway between here and there. There's no interstate at least. So uh, some of it is finding out how to uh, develop whatever, wherever you are today to develop into the, the person or into the product or, or the, you know, the business that could run itself without the, the needing of a full-time job or whatever you have today that's, that's sustaining you. And how do you get there? And whether that's mm-hmm. developing new skills, whether that's growing your network, let's call it. Uh, mm-hmm. whether that is uh, the equipment that you'll need, the actual resources, the money that you'll need. But no matter what, we're all kind of like just limping our way towards it. We're all kind of like falling forward towards right. that thing. And, and then for some people, they get there. It's all a matter of time for most people um, when they get there. And there's a lot of people who do 
freelance full-time for a certain period of time, then go back to work at, you know, agency or somewhere else and then, and go back and forth. And there's nothing wrong with that either because it's all uh, just a refining of skill sets. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I think you're right. I think some great advice for people who are looking to, who haven't made the step yet to managing their own freelance business full time should look at those, those resources and skills that are needed so that they can backfill um, their own backfill their own business as it were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something for me that um, really helps is, is goal setting like five years out. Like what do I even, even if it's super vague, like, man, how, like how cool do I want to be in five years? You know, Um, and figuring out how to get to that point. Uh, another thing that helped me a lot um, with getting a grip on on freelancing and like managing it as more of a business rather than like a as an artist, I suppose. Uh, I can talk about that in a second. But um, a friend of mine that I met uh, when we moved to Atlanta, David Dodge, um, who runs the Ease Motion Meetup here, um, <clears throat> he's been a a huge help, uh, in kind of navigating the, the freelance world here, um, sent me a document and it, it has a little bit of a tie into like the freelance manifesto, but, um, it had recommendations on like, uh, CPAs and people that provide health insurance and, uh, like the, the kinds of financial tracking tools that you can use. Like, uh, I use wave. It's a free, um, uh, invoicing system and you can pay for mm-hmm. like additional support and things like that. Um, it's really great. Uh, I started using it when I was doing things that are not related to motion design at all right now, um, several years ago. Um, and it's scaled quite nicely and kind of been, uh, I've been able to kind of mold it to whatever business I'm, uh, mm-hmm. going after at the time. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, he, that document kind of put things in perspective, um, and helped all out a lot on figuring out like, uh, it's not it, like, okay. The freelance manifesto, I think is what I'm trying to say. The freelance manifesto talks about, um, there's a section where it's like you, when you have health insurance provided, um, through like a full-time em- employer, it's not, it's not for free and you need to stop thinking about it as like it's, it comes for free with a job, it's still taken out of your paycheck. You just don't really feel it because you never see it. So, um, if you think about it that way as like, oh, I'm, I'm already paying for this. It just like feels invisible, I guess. Uh, it's not any different when you're freelancing and it's like, okay, I got to get health insurance like that's a huge expense sometimes for some people uh when you're freelancing and it was it's kind of a uh, a bit of a barrier at least in the u.s um to a lot of people freelancing it's like oh, i gotta have all these things that like um freelancing doesn't just provide uh but really like it's it's the same it's almost the same um and as long as you like understand i think that you're not getting it for free. You're still paying for it just like everybody else. Um, just like a freelancer would, uh, it makes it, I guess, a little less scary to make that transition. You still there, Matt? Yeah. Hello. 
Okay. Hey, sorry, we had a little break there. Um, let me make a note here for the uh, for the editor. Sure. One more break. Rewind. Please edit out. Okay. Cool. Uh, bless you. Give me one second. Yeah. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, Matt, that sounds great. I think that's that's you're hitting the nail on the head there. Uh, so in closing here, you know, somebody needs uh, some help with some animation work that they're doing, some graphic design work that they're doing. How can, how can people get a hold of you um, if they wanted to, to talk to you about maybe acquiring your services? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a website contact form that just goes to my email address. So you can go to mattlepley.com or you can just email me directly at contact at mattlepley.com. Um, also, my my LinkedIn is a good good way to get in contact with me um, and my Instagram. And they're both just mattlepley. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm on your website right now. Um, I think this is great. And I think... Uh, your, your reference to the Freelancer Manifesto is like the third time somebody's mentioned that book on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, I've already put it in my shopping cart on Amazon while we were talking. I hope you don't think that is rude, but I do that. I've got a stack of books now over here yeah. of people uh, that have written books that have been on the podcast, but also uh, that they've recommended. Uh, and I'm, I better start start reading specifically this one if it's been so highly recommended. Uh, it should bump up in your queue every time somebody recommends it. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Matt, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me uh, on the show. Absolutely. All right. And thanks everybody else for joining us today. Uh, until we talk again, keep thriving.